0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Trenetti. It is Wednesday, January tenth. Bonus edition of the Spot Track Podcast this week. I promised a couple extra. Probably today, definitely tomorrow with Brandon Kravitz. Probably Friday, barring any uh, gigantic data dumps like we had yesterday, where I was nerding out in front of the screen instead of sitting in front of a microphone. We're here today. It's a franchise tag discussion today. I published a piece about a week ago with all my candidates and a couple of non-candidates as well. And some reasons why we've got projected values for each position based on a two forty two point five cap. I'll discuss a bunch of these players at length here next for the next 40 minutes or so, including some teams that have options, right? Two or three players they may have to choose from. Will there be a transition tag conversation this year? How many of these players are extension versus tag? How many of these players are trade versus tag or trade or tag then trade? Could be very fluid. All right. Not the greatest year. Not the greatest free agent year as a whole. Not the worst either. All right. There's some all pro defensive players here to talk about for sure. Uh, and a couple of notable weapons, offensively speaking, as well. So it's a big franchise tag conversation. Keep an eye out for that piece on spytrack.com. I will retweet that along with this podcast today, as we uh, approach the February 20th franchise tag window. That's next. The window for NFL franchise tags in 2024, I should say NFL tags, because the transition tag still does exist, even though it's oft used. February 20th through March 5th. So we're just a little bit more than a month away, but Certainly time to start considering things like this because it is the precursor to the March 13th league year and SpotTrack is in 2024 off-season mode. I've officially flipped the switch to 2024. So if you notice some funky numbers when you're going to look at your favorite team, that's why we are advanced into the next season because the finances for 2023 have officially been cut off. We're in playoff mode. 18 teams are in non-playoff mode, so we're following suit. The plan today, franchise tag candidates, some of the projected numbers, um, uber important to a lot of contending teams that have some prominent free agents. And then we're going to start our offseason series. I've got three up and I'm doing this by division this year, which I think is the easiest way to digest this kind of information. I'm, I'm stripping away a lot of my thoughts because I can have those here. So what I'm giving you with these with these division series off season series is super nerdy data driven work, right? Notable free agents by position, and also some bubble players by position if they exist, and then a literal laundry list of ways for that particular team to free up cap space because, quite frankly, before we get to March 13th, that's all that matters. You know there are the 25% of this league has to get under, you know, they're sitting here in, in the negative. Most of the league wants to free up something, right? The, you know, the the median right now is about 25 million of top 51 cap space. That's going to change rapidly when we talk about restrictive free agent tenders, reserve future contracts that are that are not on the books yet. I've got, you know, a dozen players per team that are going to get added to these rosters And yes, most of those are going to be minimum contracts, but they factor in, right? I mean, we've got the Rams sitting here with 36 players on the books for 2024 and uh, a bunch of teams in the thirties and forties, only the top 51 will count, but these teams, these rosters are going to hit 90 in the next couple of months here. And there's a lot of movement. It's very fluid. I keep seeing, you know, it's an annual tradition. I hear responses to tweets that, are, that say something like my team had 80 million in cap space yesterday and now it's 60. What the hell happened? This happened <laughs> every single day. <laughs> something happens. And usually it's in the dozens. It's not in the singles uh, this time of year. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot of movement. So things are going to be changing constantly. And Washington sitting here with 85 million in cap space isn't really 85 million in cap space. A, the salary cap is projected at 242.5 That isn't going to become official. It doesn't seem like until around February. And there's 50 players to put on this roster, some via restricted free agency, some via exclusive rights, many by reserve contracts, some by extensions, right? Every team's going to have something to do here. And then in in conjunction with those moves come cap clearing moves. I haven't had a team. I think I've done... 12 teams so far, three division series. I haven't had a single team where I haven't been able to identify at least 12 ways for a team to clear cap space. And by the way, I'm doing all of them, right? So you may read one of these bullets and think that's ridiculous. It probably is, but it's possible. And it's a way for a GM to open up cap space. And by the way, some of these these bullets are going to free up $300,000 of cap space. Some of these teams... We'll do those moves. All right. And I'm looking at you, Saints, Bills, Dolphins, who are in the worst cap, sh- cap space in the league and probably don't want to get rid of too many players. The Saints generally restructure or, or convert salary over outright release because they have to. Philadelphia, complete opposite. Philadelphia constructs their contracts with basically guaranteed option bonuses, and minimum base salaries. There is no cap conversion with the Philadelphia Eagles unless it's a restructure of an option bonus and maybe moving some money up and down. But the base salaries are already at minimums for most of the Eagles contracts. So it's a very untraditional way, non-traditional way to head into an offseason. Whereas teams like Buffalo and New Orleans and Miami you're going to see a laundry list of names with simple base salary conversions or roster bonuses that can get converted to signing bonuses, et cetera, et cetera, for teams that I think want to keep most of their core players together. Um, but it, it's, it's a big list and I'm spending my time on that versus spending my time on kind of reiterating the numbers that the team page already offers, which would be projected cap space, you know, notable extension candidates. We'll do separate articles and separate podcasts and things like that for those specific conversations. You know, I'll have cousin Dan and we'll have some people on from from local beats to talk about teams like Cincinnati. Right. The the word going around already is T. Higgins is going nowhere. Fine. Let's transition into the franchise tag conversation thing because it's probably exhibit A here outside of Chris Jones and maybe some of the running backs. Here's a uh, here's a little breaking news. I have a piece live. It's been live for about a week now, with my franchise tag candidates and my projected franchise tag figures based on what Scott Allen's been able to put together for me on this two hundred forty two point five million dollar league cap. I don't have I don't have a single running back here that actually makes sense. All right, I'm noting Derek Henry, but holy cow, have things changed in Tennessee since then, right? I'm noting DeAndre Swift and Pollard and Barkley and Josh Jacobs. I don't think any of them even get thought of for a franchise tag and certainly a second franchise tag for those last three. All right. So I did this a little differently this year. You know, In the 10 years prior to this, I've simply given you eight or nine names that I think are going to get tagged. What I did this time is I threw in probably 20 total names here with some super fringe candidates. And then the reason why they probably won't get tagged and some names of Players, you probably want to be tagged, and then me telling you why they won't—whether it's financial, whether it's contractual. Contractually, they can't because of void years, and I'll talk about that in a second. But I went a little bit more on this on this this year because I actually do think it's going to be a good year for this franchise tag um, because of the numbers. Let's get to the numbers. The quarterback is projecting to be about thirty-six and change. There's not a single option out there, with the exception of one. He didn't play well last week. I think he's hurt. He's got a chance to really, really take another step up the ladder, and that's Baker Mayfield. He gets to play a banged-up, completely lost Philadelphia Eagles team Monday night in this wild-card round. He has done enough, in my opinion, and I think in most opinions, to come back to Tampa Bay and keep this train going. Now, that's going to take a contract. You know, I have put together ideas of Derek Carr's contract, you know, for for around 150, around 160. I don't have him far off from what I think Jared Goff's about to get in Detroit. And certainly Goff has been more productive over the past two years. But if Tampa Bay doesn't, doesn't want to give up, and I don't know why they would, right? They are not a good team. And they have won the division. And this is not the first time this has happened over the past three years. You know, Brady was not good and he was winning divisions. In other words, if they band-aid a couple of their current situations and actually make a concerted effort in free agency and maybe with a the trade, they'll be right back here next year. And what's better than that? So if the band-aid with the quarterback position doesn't involve. 80 million guaranteed for Baker Mayfield, which I think is what it's going to take two at least two years at around 40 million a year, which sounds ridiculous except for Dak Prescott's going to lock in 60 this year. So 40 tier two ish three ish in terms of quarterback pay. Derek car is already in that. And he was what? 37 and a half starting for the saints. I know we all hate the contract now he's coming back. He's going to be the week one starter for the saints unless something drastic changes. So Baker's in this conversation. If we cap adjust Derek Carr, Baker's at 40. If I tell you the tag's about 36, is that just the way Tampa Bay goes? Now, they don't have the cap space right now to take on a 36 and change singular cap hit, which is what you'd be doing the second you designate Baker Mayfair with a franchise tag, All right? But they're not in the worst situation. I have him 11th at about 48 million. That's going to drop into the 20s when you, when you include all the restricted players and some, and some reserve contracts. So consider it being cut in half. So a couple of, you know, base conversions, and I do have, by the way, this conversation live, I do have an NFC South off season financial piece now live on Spytrip.com. So I have taken a stab at this. There's a world where instead of an extension, Baker Mayfield is slapped with a $36 million franchise tag as a true comeback. We're going to pay you handsomely. Come back, show us that this thing isn't a fluke. Give us a reason to actually put this thing together for another three to four year run. And we'll do it. And we'll do it. Unfortunately, and I realize I'm taking a lot of time on one player here, but it's the quarterback one. Unfortunately, I think in order to do this properly, you're either going to have to extend or tag Baker. And then do something with Mike Evans. And that's something with Mike Evans is probably 22 to 25 million a year, regardless of his age. He is the single reason Baker Mayfield has excelled this season. And there's no other way to put that. Now, I I should include Tristan Wirfs and some of that offensive line who gave Baker Mayfield maybe more time than he's had ever, ever. Because the Browns didn't get their offensive line right until Baker had to leave. So, to me, there's a lot more positives than negatives, even though I don't love this team. But to, to say that Baker isn't a, a franchise tag candidate would be incorrect, in my opinion, because I do believe that it is the easy way out for Tampa Bay. I would extend him. I would, use, I would keep the cap flexibility. I know it's going to be more money in the escrow and probably more money at the end of the day paid out to Baker Mayfield. I'm just not screwing around with this position. And especially if I know I have other pieces I have to bring back, I'm probably going to have to give Tristan Wirfs the highest offensive lineman contract in the history of football, both on an average and a guarantee standpoint that's coming. I mean, that's here, right? The giants just had to do that with Andrew Thomas, Tampa Bay's next in line. I mentioned Mike Evans. There's some secondary pieces that discuss there's a Levante David conversation. There's more offensive linemen that need to be either shored up or replaced. There's a lot going on here. You know, they need a third wide receiver. And that's, that's assuming they're keeping Chris Godwin on his non-guaranteed third year. A lot of moving pieces. However, they don't need to have the best roster in football. Because this division isn't warranting that right now. So again, it's what are we band-aiding? What are we making a little bit more stable? I would choose to be more stable with Baker Mayfield. Because I think I've seen enough and i believe his down his downfall here the last couple of weeks and maybe monday night as well has to do with injury and unfortunately that is part of his conversation and the way i counter that conversation is with less guaranteed that's all you know baker mayfield hasn't earned 200 million guaranteed but i think he has earned a multi-year guarantee so i would i would finangle the numbers accordingly and i would avoid the franchise tag which means no no quarterback should be tagged this offseason and maybe some of you were saying what about Kirk Cousins. It's a fair point except for this. Um, it was noted recently that Kirk Cousins void date is March 13th. All right? Which means his four void years which include 28.5 million dollars of dead cap will hit the books on March 13th. In other words, this contract remains intact until March 13th, which means he won't technically be available to be tagged as a free agent until then. Well, the tag window I just mentioned is February 20th through March 5th. In other words, by structuring the void date when they did, they made Kirk Cousins non-taggable. And that's not an accident, knowing his agent. Okay. Um, This has all been about guaranteed money, and power and control, short, powerful contracts, and this is just another example of that. So, would Kirk Cousins beginning a franchise tag if this didn't exist? I bet so, especially with the injury. You know, he's probably the perfect candidate because of age, injury, and their situation, having to pay JJ and a, and a couple other things this year. It's not happening. Nor should they want to take on the $28.5 million of dead cap. So Kirk Cousins is probably just going to get extended before March 13th. That's the way I'm looking at it. That's the way I see Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins, easily the two most uh, notable quarterbacks available this offseason as of right now. So no franchise tag for the quarterback position. What else? I mentioned the running back stuff. There's not a chance in living hell that Derrick Henry gets a franchise tag. It wasn't going to be a chance anyway. But now knowing that Mike Vrabel has gone and they are probably going to rip off many Band-Aids in Tennessee, uh, there's no chance that the $19 million running back franchise tag is going to get hit, which is 120% of what he made this year. The actual franchise tag for running backs, by the way, projects to be about 113 So. $600,000 to $700,000 more than it was last year. That's it, you know? And for some of those other players like Pollard and Barkley and, well, Pollard and Barkley, their second tag comes in over 12. Josh Jacobs, because of his restructure, comes in over 14. Those are all no's. You know, maybe Saquon has a chance, maybe. Jacobs, a definite no. Pollard's an absolute no. I'm, I'm not even sure Tony Pollard's worth half of that right now based on what he's done since he returned from that injury. And DeAndre Swift is capable of playing at eleven point three million, not with Philly. So if he wants to stick around there, uh, he's going to have to think a hell of a lot smaller and a hell of a lot more role player. If he wants to go get his Miles Sanders bag, maybe something like that exists out there on a one year deal. Probably not. Right? most of these players are valuing around six to seven million because that's just where the market is now. I don't have outside of Jonathan Taylor, and you know that one's not holding the weight either because of injury. I don't have 12 to $15 million contracts anymore to evaluate upcoming running backs against. And that's what it takes. It takes, where's the market? Where was that production for that market? What is the new player producing to warrant being in that market? Well, if the market's eight, right? James Conner, I don't even have another one right now. You know, James Conner's contract is high when we talk about running back contracts. So to think that these players are going to come in and even be considered at the eleven three, 3 I think is foolish. Um, the majority of these guys are going to sign way less than you think they should, and it is less. They are going to be underpaid, regardless of what you think this position should be paid. They are still putting in the work. They still matter. They still win games single-handedly at times. It's a shame. I mentioned Mike Evans. The projected tag for wide receivers comes in at about $21 million. Not for Mike Evans. All right, because of his one hundred and twenty percent of salary last year, his twenty twenty four tag is twenty eight point four million. That's high. It's uh, it's probably too high for Tampa Bay to take on. You know, even if they don't obviously tag Baker, there's only one, right, one or the other. So you don't tag Baker. You do a multi year extension on him instead. You consider tagging Evans at twenty eight point four? I don't think so you know, I don't think so. A, it's dirty to him. You got to do better by him. And B, I just don't know why you take that singular cap hit knowing he's just going to walk away now really pissed off after 2024. Um, One more thing to mention, and I don't yet have the numbers available, though they'll be available soon when calculations hit. We can kind of assume that the transition tag for quarterbacks is going to be around that 30 to $31 million mark, you know, generally it's within four to 5 million and there's, there's a calculation that Scott Allen can put together for me and, and when things get more stabilized, we can get there. But if we just assume around 31 million for a quarterback transition tag, which comes with caveats, right? There can be offer sheets and things like that. How many teams would at least ponder a, an offer sheet with traffic comp- compensation for Baker Mayfield, right? Could Tampa Bay bet on, the, bet on the process, transition tag Baker Mayfield, save themselves 4 to $5 million, still get the one-year showcase, and free up some cash and cap to go after another Mike Evans contract or some of the other names I mentioned? Maybe not the worst idea in the world you know, because Baker's not a $36 million player, right? We've got him at sixteen and a half million. This is not like he's gone from zero to a hundred. Okay. It's about zero to 50 right now with aspirations to get into the sixties and seventies if we're using loose grading. So the transition tech may not be out of the question here, something that we don't see a lot, but feels like there won't be too many people putting their hands up for Baker Mayfield, right? This situation is working. The pieces are there. And maybe it's a way to keep Mike Evans, which to me is vital if you're going to keep Baker Mayfield. Michael Pittman Jr. Breakout year at the right time in Indy. A lot of things went way better in Indy than any of us thought it was going to happen. And that's without their quarterback, right? Anthony Richardson is going to be the guy. Injury is going to be a big concern. But for now, we're just going to assume for the next three to four years that this it's his regime. It's going to be wide open. It's going to be explosive athleticism. Jonathan Taylor fits that role and so does Michael Pittman Jr. You cannot let this guy walk out the door because if you do there's a world where he's a better he's a better option than T Higgins and he's right there with Mike Evans and oh by the way 6 years younger. So you just can't do this. You can't let this player get away from you even though it took a, took forever for him to get this to this kind of status. He's a $23 million wide receiver in our system. The tag's at 21ish, you know, maybe less than 21 when it's all said and done. I'm tagging him immediately. Day one, hour one of February 20th, I'm slapping the tag on him. The the Colts really don't have a better option or any other option on this roster to tag. I'm not letting him walk away, at least not for nothing. Um, Do I let him play on this tag? I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. There's enough flexibility from a cap standpoint that I don't think there should be a need to screw around too much and keep him on a showcase. Do they want to see the Richardson-Pittman thing work for one year before they give him big money? Maybe. You know, maybe. But to me, 2022 was a big coming-out party, and 2023 was official. I mean, he was officially a problem. He was officially somebody the defense has had to plan for or plan against. That's enough, all right? Indy hasn't had this in a while. Keep it around for a while more. Cap space-wise, Indy has almost 73 right now in terms of top 51. Plenty of room even after tenders and all that hit to franchise tag your wide receiver at least for the interim. T. Higgins. Everybody's saying the right things, right? Joe Burrow's going on all the socials and saying the word around our street is he's staying. I don't know what that means. All right. Because the word around my street is his value is plummeting. The injuries are not going away. It's every single season. This guy has something wrong. Now, nothing significant, right? I, I would it would be unfair for me to say that he has damaged his value because he's missing games. He missed one in his rookie year, three in his sophomore year, one last year, and five this year. So it's it's not insurmountable, and we have a bad taste in our mouth because of 2023. But a lot of other things have dipped too. And there's a, there's some warning signs that he may never be an actual number one receiver, if nothing more for durability reasons. That should benefit Cincinnati right because he's never going to be a number 1 here never he's in the role the exact role that we want him to be in and if we can convince him that no other team really values him in a bigger role then we'll get our price should that price start with a 21 million dollar franchise tag it's a tough call All right certainly cincinnati is one of those teams that has put their chips in before you know yes they have 70 million of space that's with 47 active contracts, all right? There are a ton of reserve players still to be put on the books. Jamar Chase is going nowhere near that complex without a new contract. I can guarantee you that right now, and he's already saying that right now. There are other miles to feed. There's some defensive deficiencies, especially in the secondary, that have to get cleaned up. They're going to have to hit some draft picks to keep this thing together. They really are. Now, does that mean that T Higgins sits on a franchise tag until July? It might, it might. And maybe that's the best business is just to operate the cap space situation properly to keep the 21 million on their books until they understand where they are. And certainly until they get through the draft, if he is that vital to Joe Burrow, and I understand, you know, the one, two punch is working with chase and and Higgins when it's healthy, then just don't screw around and keep a quarterback happy. I don't think T. Higgins wants to leave this franchise. He just wants to be properly valued. Well, I can tell you right now, because of the injury and some of the weird production, he's barely a $17 million player. All right. When it comes down to it. Now, if I put him up against actual WR1s, he gets a little closer to 19, except for the fact that, you know, the majority of WR1s signing contracts right now out of the rookie deal are getting 25, 26. You know, that's C. D. Lamb's going to push 28, possibly 30. Because of what he's been able to do as a, as a true W R one, so he's not getting the opportunities to be that player. I'm not sure he would thrive in that role either. You know, Christian Kirk is that guy. You know, and he's 18. Cap just that. You're getting to 22. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling. So if we're talking about that number, then the 21 million dollar tag is not offensive. It's not insulting. Let's start there and figure it out from there. He's a yes for me. That's it for offensive players. That's all I have. Um, Maybe more pop up here through the postseason. I don't think so. It's not the greatest free agent year. And thus, thus it's not the greatest franchise tag candidate year. (laughs) However, I have a laundry list. All right. And to some degree, a rookie all pro laundry list here, right? There's some really nice young talent that I think teams will want to at least keep around for a couple of months and evaluate trade value, extension value, et cetera. Maybe, maybe this will be the offseason where the tag actually gets used properly. Probably not. But I don't think we're going to have like that stranglehold situation, you know, like Chris Jones was in last year with all the running backs were in last year. It feels like everybody who should get tagged should get tagged, if you know what I mean. Chris Jones may get tagged. Uh, the Chiefs don't have the space and they have an offense to rebuild or redraft, let's say. And Chris Jones' tag next year is going to be around 32 million. Not great. All right, it's not great. My guess is the holdout didn't work. Chris Jones reestablished just how damn valuable he is, that celebration on the sideline when he bagged his ten, ten point, you know, his 10th sack and earned that bonus, that's not nothing. All right? You can say that's foolish, whatever, they're all just being... That's camaraderie. All right? That's an entire team rooting for a guy to get some bag, knowing that he tried to do right by himself, held out a week one, and it blew up in his face spectacularly. And it did. He lost money. Okay? He lost money. He got himself about $21.6 million cash this year. It should have been more than that. And we all know it. So he's just going to have to compromise a little bit. He's not a $30 million player anymore. He's going to be 30 years old here in a couple of months. Unless you're an absolute unicorn, and he's close, but I don't think he's quite there. You're going to have to sacrifice and compromise at this stage of your career. And by the way, I'm not saying that drops you down into the Jadavian Clowney one for four, one for seven world, which is where some of these edge rushers have had to go immediately after their big contract. What I'm saying is, instead of coming in with guns blazing and saying it's thirty or nothing, which is what happened this entire past off season, let's just be a little bit more remarkable, right? You walked away with almost twenty two this year. Let's cap adjust that alone get ourselves into the $26 million-ish world, tack on three years and go from there. That's it. That's all I'm saying. All right. So three for, I don't know, 65, you know, something to that degree, maybe a little bit more than that. You know, can we get ourselves into the 26, I guess, closer to 80. Three for 80 on a base value with plenty of incentives. To get himself up to thirty as needed, with all pro status, big time sack incentives, something he's had in every single contract, playoff incentives, Super Bowl incentives, all that, all that good stuff. Keep it all there. Make it not likely to be earned to help your team cap wise, and get yourself to a situation where you start lower but can get to that thirty million dollar mark as you need. I think that's what we've learned about Chris Jones, because I'll tell you this. If he doesn't play ball, I'm not sure the Chiefs can keep him. I'm not sure sure the Chiefs will take the process to tag him at 32 and change and really mess up their cap book March 13th, which is what's going to happen, you know, because they're going to have to account for that immediately. And some other chips are going to have to fall or some salaries that they don't want to have to convert this year for dead cap purposes are going to have to get converted. And that's not good business for, for a team that has Patrick Mahomes contract on it. So it's a very fine line. My guess is he's going to have to compromise slightly, lock in the multi-year extension, or he's going to walk. And walking sounds fun until you end up on the worst team in football to get your price. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. A couple other notable names here. Christian Wilkins, uh, playing his mind out for Miami, has a chance to really make a big name for himself over the past, next couple of weeks in the postseason. Not that he hasn't already. He was a number 13 overall pick. He's got a boatload of sacks. This is by far his best year, all right? By far. Nine sacks, played almost 92% of the snaps from Miami this year, was a force. A little bit of a dirty player. There's a little bit of a dominican sue there, a little bit. Um, he's a $20 million player in our system. It's a $21 million franchise tag. So it's a wash. Miami's in terrible cap shape. They probably don't want to tag anybody right now. So he's a, the second that the Dolphins lose, working on an extension for him is probably a priority, even though it's probably two extension time as well. Brian Burns, man, this is one that I think Car- the old Carolina regime probably missed out on. Why you kept this guy around? After everything else was falling apart, just baffles me. Now, are you going to tag him at 20 million and now trade him finally? I don't know. I don't know because it feels like the player that has gotten to the point where the trade value is just not going to be there anymore. To some degree, right? He's definitely tradable, but I think he could have got two firsts and change at this past deadline and definitely before 2023 when you really should have understood what the hell was going on around you, especially after they knew who Bryce Young was the second they brought him in here. I think he just let this guy walk. I really do. He's a hell of a player, and they'll probably tag him and then have to fight to get the compensation they want. But this is not a position I'm paying right now. Not with this player. I'm starting this clock over. I'm going to find an edge rusher in the draft and I'm starting this clock over and I'm trying to fill a lot of other holes in the trenches to try to figure out if Bryce Young's an actual player. And this doesn't do it for me. All this does is suck up my cap and cash. So I'm finding a trade partner and if I don't like what I'm getting, I'm not tagging him. I'm not doing it because I don't want to have to deal with that cap and cash situation and then get 25% of the trade value at the deadline. That's just not a situation I'm walking into. Carolina's got to think much simpler than they have in the past. Much, much simpler. Patrick Queen is fascinating for the Ravens. Had a phenomenal year standing next to a phenomenal (laughs) Roquan Smith who had a phenomenal year. This is easily the best one-two off-ball linebacker punch in all of football. Roquan was heftily paid last year after the trade. Patrick Queen, I thought, would get bounced out. Both from a playing time standpoint and from a value standpoint, and it went exactly opposite. He thrived in the role. He had a monster productive year, and I don't know. I, I don't know how you keep him. Most teams aren't even paying one off-ball linebacker. The are the Ravens going to pay two? It seems crazy, right? The tag's going to be like twenty-three million-ish. That's out of the that's out of the picture. Unless they do their due diligence talk to some agents and understand that there's a trade value here. And if that's possible, right? If there's a team like a bears looking to, to overpay a Tremaine Edmonds type player who walked, right? He, he walked away from Buffalo. Then maybe you slap the tag on control your destiny, work out the trade with that team, let them acquire and extend them. It seems like a long shot to me. So I, I think he's going to walk and that's a damn shame because, uh, This was a really fun situation to watch unfold with Roquan and him next to each other. And, uh, there's no question. He's going to improve a young defense next year, right? I mean, like the Houston's of the world should be all in on this guy. Indy replacing the Shaq Leonard's of the world, all in on this guy. Those are just two teams off the top of my head. There's probably a dozen that are eyeing this guy and watching to see what Baltimore is going to do, which is why, like I said, I hope the Ravens do their diligence and understand if there's a tag and trade opportunity here. It's not likely at this position. It really isn't, but this may be a a standout. This may be a standalone situation where they at least take the chance. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen edge defender for the Jaguars. Jags are in a bit of a disaster situation. There's probably a lot of moving parts. Josh Allen shouldn't be one of them. Now, it's not. It's not super unlike Carolina, but it's not. It's not nearly as dire as Carolina's situation. They're going to slow play Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. That still means keeping Josh Allen around. The tag's around twenty three million. His value's around twenty two million. You can wash yourself there with a one year showcase. I'm not sure I even bother. Uh, this guy's the cornerstone of your defense right now. You got a lot of young talent around him that you can keep on rookie compensation for at least one or two more seasons. Give this guy the money. you know, they took it to the finish line. I don't think there should be a reason to franchise tag this player. But he's the perfect candidate for it. You know, kind of broke out late. The team is coming together late in his career. However, (laughs) all right, 17 and a half sacks, 66 tackles, two forced fumbles, one interception, one of the highest graded edge defenders in all of football, according to PFF. Yeah, you're paying high. But guess what? You waited to do that. All right, he had back-to-back seven-plus sack seasons. He had four forced fumbles in 2022. This was coming, all right? This guy has been here all along. Really slow start, you know, really slow start. But he's been here all along. You waited to the finish line, so you're going to have to probably max, near max out an edge defender contract to keep him. Maybe having said that out loud, the tag is the best approach for Jacksonville until they understand a lot of other things with with their offense, et cetera. Jalen Johnson, Bears cornerback, big trade candidate at Halloween. It didn't happen. He's good. All right. He's really good. And he's got the production to prove it. He had one kind of banged up year. He's not an 18-week player right now. There's going to be, he's going to get nicked up. But in 14 games, he had four picks of forced fumble and 36 tackles. One of the highest rated cornerbacks, according to PFF, heading into this offseason. You know, are they starting the clock over with Caleb Williams? Are they going to slow play the Justin Fields situation to keep him around? I, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. All right, everybody in the league needs needs a secondary that can stop the pass. This guy is in that world in terms of pro Bowl, all pro. I'm paying him. I'm not even tagging him. I'm just flat out paying this guy. And uh, if I have to go into the 20s to do it, I'll do it. Jairi Alexander's 20, Denzel Ward's 20.1. Are the current benchmarks? He's about a 16 in our system right now because it's kind of been a late push with all this production. So if I'm going to 18, 19, 20 to keep him, I'm doing it. The tag's almost 19 million because of these high paid contracts that have hit. So I'm keeping him. I'm keeping him on at around tag value on a multi year guarantee and I'm not looking back. Speaking of which, I mentioned the Buccaneers and I forgot to mention this player, which is funny because. He's a Pro Bowl snub. He's not a player that gets a lot of attention. He's probably the reason the Bucs are in the postseason singularly because of a goal line tackle he made and a ridiculous season overall. This is Antoine Winfield's breakdown. He's a safety, by the way. Six sacks, 122 tackles, six forced fumbles, and three interceptions. That's not a Pro Bowler, right? He's going to be first team all pro with those numbers. So he's going to win out in the end. Don't worry. Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, and those tags are no's because of Antoine Winfield, all right? And again, inconsequential of how long you think this window should stay open in Tampa Bay, and if Mike Evans walks, and if Baker Mayfield's a one-year deal or a four-year deal, I'm not letting this guy walk for anything, right? You knew he was this good when you drafted him, and you got him at number 45 overall. They knew they had value there. They have eked every dollar of value out of this, including restructuring, right? Converting his fourth year salary, rookie salary to free up cap space because this team's been in such a mess with the Brady dead cap and all that. Well, they get to reset the clock a little bit financially in 2024. And part of that reset should involve a massive extension for Antoine Winfield Jr. without hesitation, right? This is not going to be a one-year blip with all those numbers I just railed off. This may be 10 more years that look like that. Truly. I'm not letting this guy walk, even if our offense looks like a bag of garbage next year because defensively, he can win games for you single-handedly with with that production. So extension all day for Antoine Winfield. And if we're talking top of the market, you know what it looks like now with this position. Anybody who's stopping the pass right now is getting paid handsomely to do it. Uh, Derwin James went over $19 a year. And in terms of guarantees, we're talking at signing 40, Overall 45 minimums, minimums. So it's not going to be a break, break the bank, destroy your cap contract. And having said that out loud, you just do it. Do it tomorrow. All right. Do it, the, do it Tuesday morning if you're bounced out of the postseason. Announce that as a way to reinforce your, your dedication and, and reinvigorate your fan base. All right. This is the first thing that should get done even before quarterback. And there's not many situations where I'd say that out loud. A couple more here. I told you there's some names, all right? There's some all pros here in terms of the defense. Daniil Hunter. I mentioned Kirk Cousins and his void date and why he couldn't get tagged. And you're thinking, my God, I feel like this guy's been in the league for 30 years. Well, it's eight, all right? And in all those eight years, he has never had 16 and a half sacks. Well, he did this year. He has never had 83 tackles. Well, he did this year. He has never had four forced fumbles. Well, he did this year, best year possible. After uh, taking a haircut to stick around, basically converted some cash and uh, took a little bit of a pay cut that could, that he could earn back with incentives. He earned them all, all three million of them, back to twenty million in terms of his overall salary. That's the number. All right, that's the number I'm keeping him on, and he cannot be franchise tagged because of that void date. He's got an exact same March thirteenth, void date on his twenty twenty four and twenty five seasons that will. Bypass him from being available in the franchise window. I'm paying him. I'm paying JJ. I'm paying Kirk. I'm paying Hunter. And I'm keeping that as my core three. And if I have to lose a player like a Harrison Smith to get cap and cash off my books, I'm doing it. I will evaluate the NFC North soon. It's going to be a really fun division to ascertain. But that's what I'm doing here. I'm paying Daniel Hunter because he's not eligible for the tag. And I'm banking on the fact that he's just going to be a bit of a late bloomer here with figuring it all out. And that's what's going to happen. So I'm basically what I'm saying out loud here is I'm allocating about 200 million guaranteed to Minnesota and 200 million guaranteed to Tampa Bay this off season. And I'm not even blinking an eye because I think those are two teams that can win their divisions ugly. And when you have that opportunity, you do it because it's never going to mean a $400 million contract, right? It's going to mean, we're patching it together with depth, with grit, and with high paid but not astronomically paid contracts across our board. If you think I missed somebody, I've got more names here. I just don't think those names are viable options. Take a look at the franchise tag piece on com. I will retweet it today along with this podcast. Tell me who I missed, tell me who you think I'm I'm completely fumbling the bag on. And uh We'll go from there. But again, February 20th to March 5th on this conversation. Excludes Kirk Cousins. Excludes Daniil Hunter. Probably takes away the quarterback and the running back conversation. Michael Pittman seems like the first offensive player to get this thing done. T. Higgins probably right behind him in terms of the tags. But there's some situations that if it's tag or extension, I'm simply just going to extend. That's how I operate. I'm not the one paying the checks though. All right, that wraps us for today. More divisional offseason series pieces coming. I'm going to actually flip the switch and work on one right now. The ones that are live currently, AFC East, a fun one. NFC South and NFC East. Those three are live. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.